I mean, I, I think it's good, man. And I, and I think we're so good at it because I think we are serious when it's time to be as a whole. Like, we do take things seriously, but we're going to get these jokes in, too. And and that's how we deal with a lot of things. And laughing is, is, is helpful, man. It's, it's helpful. We deal with so much trauma. It's, it's so many Sandra Blands and Trayvon Martins and Tamir Rice's. What up, what up, what up? It's Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, joined with my co-host Buff and Rozzy. Fellas, tell them what's on your mind. What's up, man? Hey, I just want to say how good Sonic the Hedgehog is. If y'all, <laughs> look, man, like, I think Sonic broke the, like, the the video game curse, the movie curse. It's mm-hmm. there. It was actually really good. They did a good transition and I just want to shout out uh, Sony for listening to the fans because if you saw the original uh, Sonic when they first dropped it and how fan backlash was like, we ain't going to see this. This is horrible. Sonic looks horrible. And uh, Sony actually pushed the release date back, I think, six months. They redesigned Sonic and everybody loved the new redesign. And it got number one in the box office last weekend, $61 million on opening weekend. And it's a actually a good movie. Like, my kids loved it. Me and the wife loved it. It was actually a good movie. So, shout out to Sony. Shout out to Sonic. Did you know Sonic dropped this weekend, Buff? I I knew it was coming. I didn't know it was... Uh, sorry if you guys can hear the news in the background. Mute that real quick. But I didn't, I didn't know it was this weekend, but I knew it was coming out. Yeah, I know it was coming out, but I definitely didn't know it was coming out. I thought you was about to talk about that nutritious and delicious son. I mean, uh, Publix chicken you were talking about earlier, <laughs> and you caught me off guard talking about Sonic. Yeah, oh, I'm like, is shout out to Publix as well because uh, the chicken is delicious. It's so good. You know, as a matter of fact, I think when you move to a city, I think there should be ch- a checklist of things that are or aren't there. And public should be on that list because when I moved to Houston, I was unaware that we did not have Publix. Oh, and I man. was very upset. <laughs> we didn't have Publix or Krispy Kreme. Um, we got Krispy Kreme. I don't eat it that much, but Publix I would rock with. Go ahead, go ahead, Buff. I knew. I I I just knew that uh, the Krispy Kreme hate was about to start. I, I, I saw it, but he just. You know, guys, I mean, we don't want to lose fans, do we? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Don't hold this against three brothers. Hold this against Byron. Krispy Kreme is trash. <laughs> Look, I like Krispy Kreme when I was younger. I also like uh, Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms. But then you grow up and your taste buds mature. Krispy Kreme is nothing more than a bowl of sugar on bread. Like, trust me when I tell you this. There are better donuts out there. What do you guys, mean? Shredded wheat? <laughs> you guys are missing out. Like, what like, kind of cereal did you, did even you buy? My, even my razor brand cream is too sweet. Well, because she was raised, she was raised bougie, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah, so yeah that's what. Oh, and listen, I like like we just got a Krispy Kreme open up up the street like three years ago. I was so excited when it was finally called. I was like, yes, hadn't had Krispy Kreme in so long. Man, we got them donuts. I I I, I thought I was going going to a diabetic shock. Right then, bro. from one bite, like no, that's bro, not bro. a that's nothing not a like, donut. Nothing like Krispy Kreme. You're exaggerating. You're exaggerating. Krispy Kreme glaze when you bite into I, it and it just melts yeah, in your that, mouth. Yes, yeah, you don't even have you, better. Yes, because, yes. Listen, listen, Rising. I once thought Red Lobster was the top of the line restaurant. <laughs> I thought I was doing something when I had them garlic shrimp and and a lobster tail on the side with rice pilaf and broccoli, and then I went to better restaurants. And I learned. Better. Well, if I'm not saying. Better, no, no, next, next Byron gonna be like, Hearts fried chicken ain't good, and I don't I want love, no pop. I love, I love Hearts fried chicken. It's the only <laughs> place you can go where the chicken is actually seasoned. <laughs> Krispy Kreme's chick, I mean Krispy Kreme's donuts <laughs> are, as far as the franchise chains, the best. I'll take them over. We have Shipley's here in Houston. We have um, what Dunkin' Donuts and all that stuff. I prefer Krispy Kreme glazed, just straight 
you know, pound for pound, crispy clean, cream glaze. There's boutique donut places. My daughter and I stop and get donuts and kolaches uh, every Friday morning before daycare. So that's our thing. That's how we start our day on Friday. So they have great donuts. You know, they have this right now. I think her favorite one is a red velvet cake donut and stuff like that. So, yes, there are better donuts out there. But when you're just saying that, hey, we're mass producing donuts. Krispy Kreme wins that wins that game. Okay, so I don't need a rebuttal. I just need (laughs) you to move on and tell us. What's what's on your mind outside of Krispy Kreme donuts and you 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 about to lose your black heart? There's the reason why they have to have them packaged in grocery stores. We're past we're past that. We're past that. We're we're moving on. This is we're moving on. Can you edit this out? Listen, listen. if you wanna like if you wanna eat trash, that's fine. Who am I? It's not my stomach, so enjoy. But listen, I'm actually gonna pass my section to you for because um there's a story you told Man, several years ago, and I thought it was so funny. And the the uh, podcast I listened to, Dan Lebatar's show, which is based in Miami, you know, they just had the Super Bowl there. So what they were doing is every guest they had come on the show, they would get them to try some Cuban coffee. Because not everybody knows Cuban <laughs> coffee got that punch. <laughs> so I need you to tell the people the story on the first time you drunk Cuban coffee and how you thought it was like regular coffee. <laughs> So actually, once again, of course, Rozzy was there with me. Yep. So this was what, 2002, Rozzy? Summer 2002, right before we left Afghanistan, we're working at Ryder Trauma Center in uh, Miami. Yep. And so we had just worked a double shift. This is 4th of July, a Friday night, 4th of July, weekend, 4th of July. So we've been up on double shift, 12-hour shift, on to our second 12-hour shift. And there was a Dunkin' Donuts right next to the thing. They're like, go go get you some coffee. We're like, okay, go get some coffee. They're like, you should try this Cuban coffee. So they give us a little small cup of Cuban coffee. But they give us like five or six cups. Like little shot glasses. Like, yeah. Shot glasses. And I'm like, I wonder what these are for. Cost. Because <laughs> <laughs> then we ordered two. Yeah. yeah one like, piece. Oh, these, these are small. Let it, let, we need to get another one. <laughs> So he ordered, I ordered one. We tossed the rest of the cups thinking they, man, when I say we wanted to run beside ambulances and do all this stuff, man, that, that junk hit us and we couldn't, then we tried to, we didn't then we sleep volunteered. Three, it was, I think we, I think we stayed up for like three days. We <laughs> volunteered for another shift. <laughs> yeah, we did. We're like, Bitch, we we're good. here. We're like, stay on. Like, <laughs> like we, we're here. It makes no sense for somebody else to have to wake up and do this when we can't yeah. go to sleep. Yeah, I was like Tyrone Biggum the day. Yeah, bro. I'm just eyes Because <laughs> you know, like, you know how you're. And we were so wired, but we weren't co- coherent. Like, we were just there. Like, we looked like we were on, on that thing, but we just eyes popped. Just ripping and running. Man, I don't think I've had Cuban coffee since. Man, that joke was crazy, dog. I, I forgot all about that. But hey, just for people that don't understand the message and got lost in the in the laughing, Cuban coffee is for the group. When they give you multiple cups, that doesn't mean to throw them away. It means if it's for five cups, this is enough for five people. Right. We didn't get that message. I'm talking <laughs> about we stayed up for at, le- at least two days. <laughs> and it was that, you know, when you're trying to go to sleep and you just can't go to sleep, you just lay in there tired. <laughs> Bro, we did that for a minute. <laughs> Bro, I just want to go to sleep, dog. I just, just want to go to sleep. Man, stop talking. I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you fell asleep first, and I was, mad, I was mad at him for being able to go to sleep. Because <laughs> we had been up for two days. Man. But man, no, I forgot man. about that. That's my thing. I, I just had to get that story out there, man, for the people. Man. You know? <laughs> All right. Did you guys watch the the NBA All-Star game? I did not, but I heard the fourth quarter was like that. I missed a good end. Yeah, man. They they made some changes. The last few years, they, you know, recently it's not the East versus the West. They get a captain from each team. I mean from each from each area. And they get to pick teams like we did in middle school and high school. And they literally picking them on on air now. 
So it's like, all right, I take buff. And so, you know, you get to see who gets picked last and everything. So it's that that whole fun part. Mm-hmm. But this year, what they did is I like the fact that they played by quarter. So it was overall score, but whoever won that quarter, they had $100,000 donated to their charity. So if Le- Team LeBron won the first quarter, big Team Giannis won the second quarter, and then they tied the third quarter. But even when them tying the third quarter, Team LeBron probably went went into the fourth quarter down by maybe 10, 15 points. And they just came back and balled out. And the thing about it is the fourth quarter is in time. They went to the first 157 wins. And then they won oh. the rest of the money. So it was just like uh, first 150. So they were they were at a hundred and like fifty hundred and fifties for a minute. That's when defense people will start, really start playing defense and stuff. But it was a good game. Like you saw people locking down each other and really playing and running plays. So it, it was good. And just to see Team LeBron and Anthony Davis actually scored the winning bucket at the free throw line. And it was the perfect storm, perfect situation. Cause he's from Chicago. So he won the game and the charity, they got the money was a charity based out of some kids based out of Chicago. But during every quarter, like you heard the kids cheering when their team went up because they knew they were about to get a hundred thousand dollars. So even though they might be down 47, 35 overall, it's, Team LeBron has 12. Team Giannis has 12 in the second quarter. And so they're just, we're just trying to win this quarter. Mm-hmm. So it was a good game, man. They really played up. So also, I saw Jennifer Hudson uh, song during a tribute for Kobe Bryant that we posted yeah. on our yeah. page, Three Brothers No Sense. So check that out if you haven't. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, oh, but that was cool, man. The, oh, before we uh, go into um, our, our commercials, um, did y'all see Juicy Smoothie? They came back. And charged him, or, or Justice Smollett. Uh, we can actually say his name now since he's been uh, formally charged. <laughs> so yeah, they uh, they formally charged him with uh, whatever it is, uh, false report and all that stuff. <sighs> Listen, um, I think what he did was very idiotic or whatever. Because I, I do believe he lied, but of all the problems Chicago has. This what they gonna focus on? <laughs> like that—that's a joke to me, man. They, yeah. Do they charge it's, it's like All Star Game year, weekend? Right? Yeah, like yeah. When did when did they charge him? When did this happen? Last week. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah, was, I thought it was like a week or so ago. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Can they do the same thing with Trump? Huh. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> they, they could, but they know the outcome again, so it kind of makes no sense to because he's gotten worse. Right. That dude. My anti-hero. Yeah. That that dude's a beast. Got balls. Got big cojones. That he does. Well, you know what time it is, fellas. Let's pay these bills. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, we're back. Three brothers, no sense. It is a Wednesday, fellas. We're not recording on a Sunday, so we can, I guess we can let it rip since Riser has three to four days. Hey, it should be some good editing. You know what I mean? <laughs> some, some sound effects, some applause. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if we've covered this before. I don't know if we covered it on the podcast. I'm pretty sure we had some conversations around it on the Facebook group, but. You know, it is Black History Month, and I'm for everything black, so I'm going to keep the, my, my subject matter black. And you probably, guys probably know where I'm going with this. Recently, we've seen all this backlash against D-Wade and how he's raising his his daughter. Took my question. Go see you, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> D-Wade and how he's raising his daughter. We've had a co- uh, comment I posted the other day about, you know, like almost like Debbie Dads, and when you would you... 
would you uh make you know was your father the type of person that you would seek for as a as a spouse we've even had um the recent the dude that uh was the billy billy porter that dressed up and wore a dress on sesame street it's been just a lot of things going on in our community in the conversation around the attack on black masculinity is just, it just keeps going on and going on. So I got to bring it to my brothers. I got to pick your brains about it. I want to see what you guys think. Is there attack an attack on black masculinity? And if it's so, what is that attack? What does that mean to you? Yes, there is an attack on black masculinity, but it's not necessarily coming from the gay community. So um, both can be true. I I do think there's an attack. There will always be a, an, an attack on black masculinity. We see it all the time when when cops are much more aggressive with us than they are with our white counterparts. We see it how. You know, we talk, we we joke with Brandon last week about code switching. One of the one, and in his explanation, he said he code switches because he has to make sure he's not intimidating, that he makes them feel comfortable and things like that. So for a lot of black people, <clears throat> no matter how much we say, you know, we keep it real or whatever, I think there is in the back of my our mind, hey, I have to make sure that I'm as safe as possible and not threatening. If you're on an elevator with a white woman. I listen, I don't know if you guys do it. I stand as far in the far corners I possibly can. I don't want any misunderstandings. We see it when they clutch their purses or, or lock their door. So there's always gonna be an attack on black masculinity. What I disagree with is when they say, Well, look at D Wade's son or or look at this or look at that. Look at how they're pushing the gay agenda. You know, they want us all to be gay. Like I, you know, that's that's not true. Like people that are gay feel like they are born gay and there is no agenda. They just want to be treated the same as everybody else. And they're not being treated the same. We got people attacking a kid right now for with uh, Dwayne Wade's son who wants to be referred to as Zaya now. Like people are it's open season on a child. Since when like we talked about since when was it OK to call black women bitches and hoes with Gail King? Apparently now, if a young black boy comes out as gay or wants to be transgender, it's okay to attack a child now. So, but, really, but not only that though. Think about how we all the the narrative is black fathers aren't there; they're not supportive. We're not nurturing. Yeah. And this guy, yeah. if it was anything outside of his daughter, because now uh, she identifies as a girl, being transgendered and or gay, he would be father of the year on so many black posters. If it was anything beyond those those two talking points. So we're attacking Zaya, and now we're talking we're attacking D. Wade. Yep. Cause I was actually it was on a I think what made me think about this was there was a post on who you got and it was like, who would you rather have? What would you rather have? Your 15 year old daughter come home pregnant or your 15 year old son come and say tell you he's gay. And when I say it was 50-50, or not, or not more towards B, like people yeah. were upset. I'm like, come on, man. But my bad, my bad. I just <clears throat> keep going, bro. Sorry about that. I thought I had muted the mic. But um, I'll just wrap it up with we we they're not being treated fairly. Like even when someone is trying to make an innocent point, the first thing they'll say is, well. Look at it like this. I, I think Dwayne Wade's son is too young to be determining that he wants to be a female, just like you wouldn't want your son coming to you saying that, hey, I want to go rob a bank because that's what I feel like doing. Why are you comparing gayness to a crime? Like in your in your when you jump in for people still treat gay like it's something wrong, like Dwayne Wade failed. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and what we got to realize is people feel like they are born that way. And. I'll probably have more to add, but I'll let Rosie jump in. So I do think there's an attack on not black masculinity, but masculinity. But I, I really think it's an attack on hyper masculinity. I, I think 
society is redefining what masculinity means and the old guard, the hyper-masculine men don't like that. That's what I really feel. Like Buff said, we have to, as black men, have to walk around and try to not be threatening and everything like that. Um, everybody's going to D-Wade because he's being nurturing, because he's supporting his daughter, uh, you know, those types of things. And I, I say daughter because the thing about it is if if that is the gender that they are presenting as, then that's, we need to respect that. Like that, that, that genetically it's a boy. Yes. That he, she was born a boy, but how she presents, how she wants to the world to see her is truly, I feel like the, the gender that we should call them. But the, the idea that you, you have to think through what is it to, to be a man? So my thing is, if uh, um, D-Wade as a father is supporting his child through whatever they choose, I think that is masculine. I think, you know, Zaya coming out and saying, I am a girl, this is what I feel in, in my heart. You got to think the balls it takes to come out and say that and and be ready for the vitriol that comes behind that. A child doesn't come out lightly. You know what I mean? So so this idea that, you know, they are less than or they're not, they they don't understand what it means to come out. I think it's false. I there there's no way that that child at this age is is not thinking about that. And especially now with social media and everybody coming after them after it, for them to still stand by it and say, I want to be, I want to walk my truth. I want to live my truth. And this is my truth. I mean, that to me is like, oh, that, like I said, that takes balls to do that. So this idea of you have to be this the Neanderthal caveman, you know, hitting women upside the head and dragging them back to your house type thing is outdated i i really feel like it is and so hyper masculinity is definitely under attack but i i think we talked about it in a, in a um past episode i i'm okay with that i i think we need to evolve as a uh, as a people and figure out what it means to be a human being male or female the the genetic side the reproductive side of it is one thing but i think when we really look at it masculinity is just evolving. Yeah, man, I, I agree with both of you guys. You know, it's, I think the, the, the tech really is the, tr it's a trick. I think, I think they're really fooling us to think that their plan is, Hey, be concerned about this, this gayness. And so we have all this energy focused on the wrong thing. Like homosexuality is probably the least of our worries in the black community when it comes to what's going on with our men. The real attack, you know, we're focused on the left hand when the right hand is really what's going on. The real attack is our black men are dying. You know, the educate as far as education system, we're one of the, the slowest growing groups. You know, when it comes to the pay rates, all this stuff, how we're falling behind and so many other things. We're not worried about that because Tyrone is straight. He got, you know, he works with his hands. He's doing all these things that we consider, as you said, Rosie, masculine or hyper masculine, either one. And we're fine with that. We are completely OK with that. And we even romanticize about man when men can really be men. When our fathers and grandfathers were out there womanizing, when they were out there able to beat their wives into submission, when black men weren't being taught to be nurturers. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, and it's very unique because she's in almost a reverse role. So she's her husband is a stay-at-home husband. She's in medical sales, so she makes a, a really good living. 
And when they got pregnant, you know, it was to the point where she just said, hey, you stay home with the kids until the kids get a certain age. And they roll by that. You know, she's like one of my closest friends. Uh, and she just she's always I'm gonna call it like it is. She's had always had a healthy sexual appetite. So she's probably just as sexual as a guy when it comes to that. And so she sees things that from a guy's perspective and we were talking about, you know, how men are perceived or how things are were overlooked. Think about growing up. It's crazy that, especially in the black community, we're so homophobic that if a boy was playing with a doll, the house was about to, but stop playing with that doll. Go do this. Like, you try make him tough. He can't do these things. From the day you were born as black men, for the most part, we were not taught how to nurture at all. The first time I was expected to be a nurturer is when I became a father. I became a father at 35. 34, excuse me. So for 34 years, nobody pushed me to be a nurturer. And then all of a sudden you expect me to become a nurturer. You expect that all these dead, think about these deadbeat dads that we talk about. A lot of them are just products of, hey, for 25, 30 years, nothing has taught me to think any different. So when you're saying what's disrupting the black household, you have this black man who might not be a, a bad person, but for 25, 30 years or however old he's been, he's never been taught to be a nurturer. He's never seen a lot of black men as nurturers. He's seen us as providers. You know, that's what we're taught to do is be a provider. If you can provide for your family, you've done your duty as a man. Mm-hmm. That's attack. Like, we're not taught to be there. We're not taught to be present. We're not taught to do other things outside of being a provider, be tough, be, you know, uh, be yeah, the security pro- for your provi- family. Provider and protector. Those, those yeah, are our it. roles. Yeah. yeah. But the thing about it is, but now that the world's asking more of us, our women are asking more of us. We are expecting more. Like you said, that D-Way's daughter came out and said that. Black men can't come out and say they're sad. We can't come out and say we're depressed. We can't even come out and say we're suffering from anxiety. You know, if we're having uh, suicidal thoughts, we can't say any of that because we're taught to be so tough. So for this young kid to have the, the as you said, the balls to come out and say, hey, I'm different. I don't I don't fall by these rules. We've been brainwashed. The attack on black masculinity is a brainwash to think that we should be something different. And for the most part, that something different has led to us being harmful to our community. I'm not saying that the fault of the black community falls on the black man. We're just part of it. We're part of the, the we're part of the cycle. We're hurt people hurting people. And so we're not taught to be this. We're so worried about our sons being gay, our sons being manly men. Are doing like, we never talk about people just being good people. Like, are you more worried about you have a son and a daughter? You want to raise good people. It's not about, okay, my daughter likes men and she's going to get married and do this, this, and this. Great. I'm successful. It's my daughter is a great person. She's a pillar of society. She, she loves her family. She does these things. Those are things we should want. Same, and why is that any different for your son? Yeah, I, I I was having a conversation with some of my friends, um, and we were talking about it was some of my fraternity brothers, my top five. One of our cardinal principles is manhood, and we were talking about manhood, and I was like, "What is your definition of manhood?" Because the, my thing is, say you have a gay male that's in a relationship, they adopt a kid. They they are a loving spouse, great role models to the kid, holding everything down, nurturing, doing all that as, you know, a parent, father, spouse, whatever. And then you got a, a deadbeat black male or a male, deadbeat male that's out womanizing four or five baby mamas, not in any of the children's lives or anything like that. You know, which one is a real man? you you that's that's a hard discussion to have but that's also part of it because and i think i've said this before we never challenge womanhood another is it's 
what we think our men should be is fault. It's, it's, it's misleading. It's the trick. It's a trap. It's the fact that how many women said he's not a we're so worried about being a real nigga or a real man. I need a real man. Oh, you ain't a, like men say it. Women say it. I and maybe it's just because of the circle I, I I I roll in, and I don't have a lot of friends outside of my race like that, and I'm not privy to their conversations. But I don't hear, and I'm not gonna put it on the women. I don't hear any of them saying the same, having those same conversations. Why are we challenging what it is to be a man? You are a man. If you're born a certain way, you're a man. Now, the qualities of that man is what we should be addressing. So we should. The, oh, oh, I was going to say, so on the front end, let me say, I think Dwayne Wade in particular handled this situation perfectly because, for one thing, that's his household, that's his son. I probably would have did things a little different. And just so I don't try to come off as someone that's like perfect on this subject. I personally do think 12 is a little too young to make that decision. And if it were my son, I probably would have handled it slightly different, but I'm not going to criticize how Wade handled it. Cause again, that's his son. That's his household. And I also want to say that I'm still evolving because, you know, I hear you guys freely call refer to him as her and his, now I'm not quite there yet. I'm not comfortable with calling a 12 year old boy a girl just because he says that's what he wants to be, and and everything that comes with it. But I did get checked by a, uh, and I already spoke to her and I told her I would bring this up, so it's okay. But I have a I have a gay coworker, and it was her and another guy who was also gay, and we were we were talking, and some kind of way I brought up, I was talking, and I was like, yeah, you know, you guys your lifestyle, and they objected to that. They was like, I get so tired of people, and, and I'm not arguing at you, but just in general, it's not a lifestyle. And and we went back and forth. I was like, how is it not a lifestyle? I said, you know, if I decide that I no longer want to eat beef and pork and, and I want to change, I said, we call it a lifestyle. That's a lifestyle change. And she said, that's my point. You're making that choice. We didn't choose to be gay. This is how we were born. So when you call it a lifestyle, you're telling us that we made a choice to be gay. She was like, you think I made a choice to put up with all the ridicule I had to deal with from my family and, and my so-called friends when I came out? Nobody wants to go through that. You don't choose that. But you go through life and you learn that that's what you are. And, you know, nobody ever wants to be wrong. And, and I, I wanted to debate some more. I was like, you know what? She's right. I got to see it from her point of view. You know, like, like it was crazy. You, got, you got to be able to evolve. And mm -hmm. what made me look at that also is we're so quick to want to define people. Yeah. Really. Like if you became a vegan, even if that's a lifestyle choice, you're not defined by being a vegan. Oh, that's Byron. He's a vegan. <laughs> you know, like, you know, that, that it, 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 sexuality doesn't define you. Like we don't, Sexuality only defines you when you step outside of what the quote unquote norm is. We don't like, oh yeah, that's Byron, that's my nigga. He, uh, he like women. <laughs> you know, but if that was my homie, oh that's Rosie, he gay. Like that that's that's how I'm gonna introduce you. Oh why I, you wanna I, use that line? To, you know, to, like, oh, I remember flex. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Oh, this is my homeboy Byron, he yeah, like women, this is my homeboy Rosie, he like he like niggas. You know, we about to all go out. Like, we don't do that. Oh, Nakers, my bad. Oh, Rosio got me tripping off that phone flex joint. <laughs> did, did you see? Did you see that? <laughs> we, we'll post the link for everybody who's uh, wondering about it. But uh, I, I think it was like a gay rapper. I don't even know the guy's name. Uh, and he was like, "We we looking for booty holes." Like me and Flex hanging out, looking for booty holes, and then Flex stopped him. Fuck, that's Flex. Was like, whoa, why you had to throw me in that line? <laughs> 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 that was hilarious, yo. Hey, man. So, but that goes back to the conversation, though. Like, we, you, you, you almost are scared to be associated with gayness because, like, you're not secure enough in your manhood. <laughs> yo, I asked my whole boy when he let a gay guy buy him a drink at the bar. <laughs> he got upset. <laughs> Hell no. <nah. laughs> 
Austin, even if he doesn't even want anything, he just want to be nice. And he's like, nah, I'm good. I don't need nobody to buy me a drink. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, it's man. the same thing. It, it might be some underlying thing there. But if it's not like my homie, like I've got gay friends. And so if they buying around, they buying around. No big deal there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we got to get in. It's still, it's, we're all adapting to it. It's a change. Def- definitely a change in the culture. And I always look at what harm, because I asked this question to somebody else recently. They were talking about, well, the gay agenda, I don't need my son seeing this and this. I'm like, what do you want the agenda to be? Like, what what is the right agenda? You know, is it heterosexual male working with his hands, doing this, 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 and this? Or is it just like, hey, this person is happy with who they are. They're a good person and they're doing their thing. Yeah, because I, 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 I tell so many people, uh, like, seeing that's not going to make your child gay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's not. But what seeing that might happen is if your child was gay, they might be more comfortable coming to tell you that they are gay. Yeah, and, and, and I agree. So the thing about it is <laughs> if if you no, think no, no, that buff, your child... No, no, hold on, no, no, buff over there laughing, man. I want to hear what he got to say. I was going to say, if you think it makes your child gay, then they was on the fence anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You kind of knew. <laughs> they didn't, but, they didn't, but maybe they didn't know how to express it. Maybe right. that, maybe seeing Billy Porter on Sesame Street and realizing it's okay to be you. I'm different. I've always thought I was different. You know, it's cool. We challenge our kids to break from the norm on so many different things. Kids growing up in the hood that might not have a lot of good things going on, we tell them, hey, it's okay not to be a thug. It's okay not to be this person. You know, but when it comes to homosexuality, black masculinity, we're under attack, dog. Man, they they don't want us to have more. They trying to uh, make everybody gay so we can't have no more kids. Man, nigga down the street about to have about six. He got six baby mamas anyway. That ain't about to change nothing. Nothing. So I don't know, man. Uh, it's so the hyper males are gonna hate this segment right here, huh? <laughs> no, oh, but yeah. I'm saying, but I'm saying it's okay to be, and that's you know what that's what maybe we we maybe that's what we don't we don't talk about. It's still okay to be a quote unquote manly man. We're not telling you you have to do all this stuff. We're just saying you you don't have to think it's wrong for other people to live a different life. Right. Like you can be, Be, you you you. can be, you can be a lumberjack. You can do, you can do (laughs) what you want to do and still be you, but it doesn't change the fact that if you have a son who thinks differently or who is attracted to other men that you failed as a father, that's the worst thing in the world. Hell, that is even a thing to be, can, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's the second worst thing in the world. No, it's it's not a thing. It's just that's part of their personality. That's part of who they are. Just like you chose to chop down trees. It's just something that's a part of their personality. So to my manly men, to uh, hyper-masculine men, keep doing you just as a man, as a leader of the world, as a black man, expand your mind because you don't fall for the okie doke. The trick is not the gay agenda. It's they're tricking us to not be the supporters and the the, the builders of our community. And we got to find out a better ways to do that. So keep doing what you're doing, but let's focus on the bigger picture. Or in other words, we ain't woke enough. So listen. Uh, <laughs> so last week I didn't lighten it up. I'm gonna try to lighten it up this week. Um, so as you said, Ferg, it's Black History Month. We're going to keep it black. And Three Brothers has, uh, we've done our part in trying to highlight, I would say, little known black historical figures beyond the Martin Luther King, Rosa Park type figures. Uh, but I've noticed something that's trending. I think it started last year, but I've been seeing it a lot this year where people are just taking random pictures of old old black people from back in the day uh-huh. and saying like, you know, he was the first man to go to the cookout without asking who all going to be there, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so my question to you guys is, and that that's that's kind of on the lighter side, but there are some more serious issues that we do that with also. Do you guys have a problem at all with how our culture finds humor in some of the more serious topics going on? Like almost anything can be a meme. Like we we getting ready to uh, have Kobe Bryant's uh, funeral on February 24th. And I guarantee you, if somebody makes like a funny face or something, it's going to be a meme. Look at Aretha Franklin's uh, funeral. Mm-hmm. They had the lady that was passed out sleep or whatever, like, <laughs> Do you guys take issue, like, do we need to be more serious or do you think it's therapeutic for us to find humor and, and serious issues that go on in this world? You want to first? Yeah, man. Laugh this off. You know, you, you got to find humor. You got you to gotta laugh some time to keep from crying. You know, if anybody deserves a good laugh, <laughs> naked is us. <laughs> it is us. We, yeah, right. we, we need to laugh as much as possible you know what? As a matter of fact, we should make more memes. We got too many pictures. We got too many pictures from 1867. The whole family stone face. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like, when did we learn not to smile in pictures like that? <laughs> maybe that should be a meme. The first, the first black person that smiled in a picture. That, 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 you know, like. It's it's they, they, they have somebody on the they have somebody on the auction block. They'd be like yeah, the first yeah. one to take a prison pose. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know because and um Allison put this all the day like we don't forget though like we don't forget it's not laughing at this means we forgot or disrespect but we just need to laugh sometimes we find humor in it. Um now the thing is. We might not forget, but I, we got to make sure that others and the generation, the generations after us do know, because you can't forget what you don't know. And I think we just, it's a time and place for everything. Like the Aretha Franklin thing, you don't post it on Aretha Franklin's page. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, you don't, if somebody's having a serious conversation about Kobe, you don't throw in a crazy Kobe meme at the time. It's a time and place for everything, but we're joking and stuff like that, you know, then fine. Or if you started, you know, in a timely manner, you having a Kobe Bryant meme the day after his death is insensitive. Now, you know, it still might be a little touchy for some people, but you know, you have a little more, it's, it's a little lighter now. It's not, people aren't breaking down crying every time you say his name or you think about him and his daughter, but man, man, joke, joke that up. Have some fun. Lighten up. I, I look at it as a second line. Um, and so for anybody who doesn't know what a second line is, oh. uh, it, it is so in New Orleans, even Mobile, those types of areas oh, yeah. down, um, it, 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 in Creole type religions or, or societies. So you, when you go to a funeral, you do the slow march with the sad music to the, um, to the burial site. But then once you bury the person, they have what they call a second line where you come back, you play jazz music, Zydeco, people dance, you know, it's a celebration of the person. Uh, and so I think I look at it like that. It's one of those things that we're going to take all that hurt, all that pain, and we're going to make jokes about it because we got through it. You know what I mean? We can say this is, you know, Joseph Jackson, the first one to knock a KKK member out. You know what I mean? And we can laugh about that because we, we know we want to do it. And to see that and, and have a picture of that, it, it adds a little pride to it. You know what I mean? That we made it through. We got through it. And so here's the things that either we wanted to have done or that we are actually proud of. I saw um a meme. It was like um a black guy drinking from the whites only water fountain. It was like, you know, this is the first person to drink from a whites only uh, water fountain. Like those types of things, even if that's not the actual person, it's like that, that's, that's something cool to see. It's like, I want to be able to see that. And I want to be able to project onto that. So I'm good with it. I mean, I think I had this conversation or we had this conversation when we were talking about um, team dark skin team versus team light skin. I think right. there's a time and place to have those joking moments where we can jones off on each other jones on our history and everything but i do agree ferg that we've got to figure out a way to 
especially with the younger generation that they see the meme and they don't think that's all it is because we need they need to know the history behind that and why it's so important that we look at that and we we prop that picture up so some of the more recent and prominent ones were so i forgot who we thought we were about to go to war with i think it was maybe iran or somebody like that oh and man so, <laughs> and we we know black people was making jokes like hey iran uh we ain't vote oh, for this oh, yeah. <laughs> and like people were getting people were getting upset like i remember one girl she made a post my little niece is gonna have to go over there and fight. Y'all joking about it, and y'all y'all never take anything serious. And people were like coming back at her like, "Child, black soldiers was doing this in World War Two. The ones that served, they was writing on the bombs, dear Hitler, we about to bust your <laughs> the bombs that they about to drop, like things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, even with some as serious what as what R. Kelly was accused of, you saw what Dave Chappelle did with that. Yeah. That's a classic skit. I laugh yeah. at it every time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is. Or like uh, the old pictures of Martin Luther King. I think it's one where it looks like he almost took a selfie. He's so close to the camera. And it's a white police officer behind him. And the caption is like, I hear dealing with these. (laughs) these (laughs) (laughs) Or the one from Coming to America. Bumping into Martin Luther King. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I I think it's good, man. And And I think we're so good at it because I think we are serious when it's time to be as a whole. Like we do take things seriously, but we're going to get these jokes in too. And, and that's how we deal with a lot of things. And laughing is, is, is helpful, man. It's, it's helpful. We deal with so much trauma. It's, it's so many Sandra Bland's and Trayvon Martin's and Tamir Rice's and, and we can go on and on. It's so, we have to deal with that. We have to, we shoot, we got a little situation going on now in Mobile. It didn't turn deadly. But a gentleman got roughed up, and the officer, in my opinion, was a little too rough, very unprofessional. Was and handcuffs, choke him out, put him in a police yeah, car. Yeah, twice. Just call Choked, it what it is. Choke him twice. And, and so that video is disturbing. So we definitely know when to be serious, but hey, we're going to laugh from time to time, man. And, and, that's how, and that's what makes our culture so fun, in my opinion. Yep. I agree. I mean, the thing about it is, man, we, we laugh through so much of our pain. Like we will, we will have our lights out, you know, and the the heat off, and we sitting there joking with each other about how the candles aren't aren't right, or you know that type of thing. Like That's it, it's funny. <laughs> not why you going through it. You not, not, not why you going through it. <laughs> so but, somebody said. Somebody said. Who was that? Cat Williams. He was like, "F those, F those lights. <laughs> F that light bill." You need like, to some. You need to get. You need to smoke some. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goddamn lights. Somebody said black people make fun of people being prepared. This nigga got an umbrella. In it. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like, oh, yo, watch, oh, watching the weather channel. It's always on time, boy. <laughs> Speaking That's correctly. Roll, That's how we Speaking roll, correctly. <laughs> once you guys, I'm giving you a little hint. Jared's about to drop soon, and that's one of the things. Jared gets uh, ridiculed for speaking the Queen's English. Mm-hmm. Speaking like a white Ooh. person, as uh, you know, we all are used to hearing. Jared has the most difficult story arc, too, by the way. It's it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was that was a good one, man. Shout out to Sherman Cooley for another one. So, so if we we on this black thing, um, and and you transition to the comedy of it all, um, I will round us out with probably a short answer. But I want to know what is your top two, and that you can only pick two black comedies. Hmm. Mm. Uh okay, yeah, this is a short answer. Friday and Harlem Nights. I can't really watch Friday anymore. Like I you know how you watch something so much to where You know every word. Yeah, like <laughs> like I need another ten years before I can really enjoy that one. But Friday and Harlem Nights are two of the funniest movies I've seen. Fur, what about you? I gotta go with Harlem Nights. And it might be coming to America too. That's just such a classic, man. Eddie, Eddie just, has some good ones, man. Just, <laughs> like, like, like him and him mean, and Martin in um, what life, was it? Uh, life. life. Yeah, but no, but your 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 royal penis is clean. Huh? Oh, 
she's your queen to be. Mm-hmm. No, like that joke was. I, I remember watching Coming to America, and I don't know if y'all ever noticed, but when you come into the Black Awareness Rally, when they cut to it, there is like this note that's super off key, and it'd be like, bum, bum. and me and my homeboy Carrie used to literally rewind that note and just laugh every time it hit. Like, that's how funny that Coming to America good. is. Like, every moment is just hilarious, bro. But you know what? When I got older and I watched it again, I'm like, oh, shit, that's Eddie Murphy. Nigga, that's a city hall, too. Like, I didn't realize how many characters they played. I'm sitting there like, they had five people in the whole movie, dog. <laughs> the, the funniest parts are the barbershop scene and that uh, the charity event you're talking about. Yeah. There's a very subtle, very small, funny part when they're passing the collection tray. Oh, the chicken bone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't lace it. Don't lace it. I think about juices and berries. Did he say you tall black mother? <laughs> McDowell's. But. All of nice, man. Oh, I yeah. I think that's his funniest movie, man. Even over so, Coming to America. So you wants to shoot motherfuckers in the pinky toe. <laughs> that the, uh, Vera and... Uh, Parents and dog. That, oh, that, I, oh, that uh, I, orange you sing? I, li- I literally quote that movie every day with my coworkers. I don't know if I said this on the show before, but every day there's a situation where we quote a line from that movie just out the blue and the other person know you're talking about. Are you in charge of the girls? I am in charge of the girls. Well, <laughs> let's go and put the shit out there and open, okay? <laughs> Every night, the girls come up short. <laughs> Even when the place is packed, the girls come up short. <laughs> so either you or them got a problem with the arithmetic. Man, that job is hilarious. <laughs> What's your I'm two, a, right? I, I'm an honest hoe, and my hoes are honest. <laughs> All my hoes are honest. Right. So, uh, for me, it 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 definitely has to be coming to America because, like I said, every single scene has some comedy in it. Um, and so you can find something there at any point. I'm going to try to fall down the stairs. <laughs> my bad, my bad. <laughs> I mean, every, I'm like, I can't think of name is Peaches. I'm the I'm best. The best. All the <laughs> like I'm just like dog. The whole so low commercials. <laughs> Think, dude, it's the whole movie <laughs> is the whole funny. Movie. Yes, I can't. Yes. <laughs> I can't imagine being. Think about being our age, seeing that movie for the first time. So I always think about stuff like this. Certain moments is almost to your question. Some certain moments of Black history. Where there's stuff that was so good, imagine being in the, there the first time that movie was dropped. Like we saw it as kids and we didn't fully understand it. But think about being in your 20s or 30s, the first time that movie drops. And you're like crazy. The first time Prince played Purple Rain, you know, like there's moments in history where you're the first person to see or experience something that became that's legendary. And that movie to me is one of them. It was just so, and then the fact that and the thing I like about Coming to America and Harlem Nights is they both portray black elite. Now, one is a crime syndicate. The yeah. Black people mm-hmm. win on Harlem Nights. I like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 What's so, the second one? Yeah. For me, I, I think it's got to be life, though. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was surprised. Life Damn, man, is another one that, I mean, it's, you know, star-studded cast. Well, you got... Bernie Mac in there, you know what I mean? Like Jang Lang, Jang Lang. <laughs> you got, you know, got Rick James in there. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> everybody the that eyes the pappy. Like, you know, I, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, how much is it gonna take me to make one of them whites only pies a black pie? Oh, black pie. Like, <laughs> oh it's a nigger pie. <laughs> it was a, a nigger pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, man, that that movie to me, I think was funnier. Then Harlem Nights. Harlem Nights had like instances that they it was really really good. But life, I think the storyline was a little bit better. Uh, and the and the the jokes hit harder for me. Uh, than come than Harlem Nights. So that's the only thing, man. But what happened to America too, though? It's coming. They they just I, I, I think they like, just I finished feel, up. Oh, I'm like I feel like it's been coming out forever. Maybe I'm just I'm nervous about well, that. Well, at first when they were saying that it that it wasn't true, like people have been saying it like. 
10, 10 and five years ago, but mm-hmm. it's like 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 they filmed it at uh, Rick Ross's mansion in Atlanta and stuff like that. So, so well, Rosie, I'm gonna piggyback off your question. They have Coming to America two coming out. What black movie would you love to see a sequel to? It doesn't even have to be comedy. I'm so scared of sequels, though, man. I I'm scared. Of, <laughs> I'm scared of Coming to America, though. Yeah. Oh, shout out to my cousin. Uh, Harold Rico Knight, he actually made the fan poster that got like all the buzz and the studios oh, caught yeah. on. And That's that right. is the reason why they greenlit it because of the buzz from that fan poster. So shout out to my cousin, huge wow. uh, fan of his. Anybody That's out dope. there who uh, needs some graphic art design, that type of stuff, uh, holla at him. Anyway, back to your question, Bert. Um, I, y'all might, y'all might cuss me out, but I want to see. A soul plane too. Hey, cut his mic, yo. <laughs> no, man, not. <laughs> I think about it. Think about it. I, I, I would never want to go from one of the best to try to make a sequel to it because you know it, it's one of those things that you can't really make them better. So to actually be able to come back off and make a soul plane too and fix all the problems with it give them a bigger budget uh better writers but it was a it was a good cast it was an uh okay plot line there um kevin hart's a much better actor now than he was before i really think and his comedy has actually gotten better as well so i i feel like he could actually carry uh, Soul Plane 2 and make it a really, really funny movie. You look at some of the new ones, Night School, some of his newer comedies that he's made, that he's executive produced, I mean they are funny. So throw him in there, throw Tiffany Haddish, his whole team in there um, actually doing things. I really think it'll be funny, man. So, first off, we're going to argue about your uh, life being funnier than uh, Harlem Nights. One day we're gonna argue about that, but um, <laughs> man, most of the black movies that I want to see a sequel to, they either have done or they can't or they can't do. Like Training Day, they can't redo that. Life, they were too old at the end. Like I would have loved to see a life sequel because when they get old in the movie, man, that that movie takes off to me when they get old. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I they a- could they could make a sequel and like basically fill in the gap between them escaping. And them actually like dying or being at the baseball doesn't it end at uh, baseball? Yeah, at a baseball like, park. Yeah, but so I guess with the choices that I have, I would go a movie we talked about before. I would go Men's Society, and I think Ferg and I talked about how Men's Society told the story of the cycle of how Young Kane saw his dad, and he grew up and did the same thing, and then Ronnie's son was looking at Kane and was headed that way, but she kind of. I guess stopped him from doing it. So I would like to see how either he turned out or, you know, how he turned out and how much influence did Kane's influence stay with him or was she able to uh, steer him away from it? Cause they were supposed to be moving to Atlanta. So you can do that whole different scene and uh, just see what they can come up with on that. I don't really have a good storyline or plot line for it, but that, that's the only thing I can think of as far as where the main characters didn't die off or something like that. Mm-hmm. Man, and, I mean. Oh, and and one more thing, and the other ones we already know they're gonna do. Like we know they're doing another Black Panther. Yeah, I was we, about we, to say that. Yeah, we, we know they're doing another Coming to America. So that's what I come up with. What you got for it? That might be it. Like I was thinking, I, and I I really didn't have an answer, but menace to society too. Still a menace. <laughs> still a menace. is with with the question mark. Still a minute? Yeah, still a minute. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah. So they 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 probably make it way too PC and try to make it where it's a redemption story and not another like gangster movie. Like, I I I'd want to see, you know, Ronnie actually grow up and be a thug. That's just me though. Well, Ronnie was the the, the girl. girl. I, the, what was the boy oh, name? The the little boy. Um, thanks. What was his name? Right, well, anyway, the little boy. Yeah. I was on the big wheel when Kane got shot at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. him. So, because I mean, I, I look at, I don't know if you, like, I don't watch Power, but, uh, you know, the series finale or whatever, and they talk about all the spinoffs. 
the only spinoff that I think really should probably get greenlit is the kid who's like becoming this drug lord or or like powerful figure. I want to see him get more powerful. You know what I mean? And so that might be cool. Like I want to see the continuation, the next generation and how they handle like you talked about that cycle. Right. Is mm-hmm. do they go down the same path or do they um, and, and become better? It, it's the whole Godfather effect, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we love the dad, but it's it's all about the son's arc. You know that's what we want to see. Uh, you know when Michael takes over the family and starts moving it along, um, that I I want to see what happens after Michael passes and 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 what happens and and I guess that's kind of what three is like the nephew takes over. So in Godfather, you get that with the three movies. So I, I think that would be something good to see. Michael had one of the coldest lines in cinema history. This dude said, Kate, you know me. You know me. You know I would never, never let you take my son. <laughs> that dude was cold, man. Well, fellas, it's about that time. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. Who got us first? Who's taking us out? Uh, big shout out to Brandon Davis for coming on here last week, man. We appreciate it. You gracing us with your knowledge and uh, expertise there, brother. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you guys for ordering the merchandise too, man. You, you guys have been posting and, and letting us know when when it arrives and stuff. So thank you for that. We, we're definitely going to be pushing that more and more as time comes. And I need you guys to push Ferg and Rizy to do some writing. We want to start doing some writing and have newsletters that we can send you guys. So stay on them, okay, because I'm going to try to get it going. And we also going to just have the things we can send you between episodes, our thoughts on different things and stuff. So we just appreciate the support overall. The audience is continuing to grow. We love the interaction on social media. Check us out, Three Brothers No Sense, Instagram, Facebook. Appreciate the support. Continue to listen. Yeah, man. Um, And... I, I think Byron, you mentioned it um, that Jared's about to drop Sherman T. Cooley. Guys, go out support these books. Tracy, my favorite of the series, the Floor Short Story series. I mean, man, they're they're so good, and they're free, and they're free. And they're free. But they're so so good. And if you grew up, I mean, it's gonna make you think about high school. It's gonna make you think about growing up in the eighties, nineties from the the storytelling the visuals the the music that he has playing in the background or he describes playing in the background during the during the i mean everything bro it, it is like it, it really is engrossing so go out check it out download them sherman t cooley any of your um book sites you can find it uh barnes and nobles you can get take it out on uh, walmart nook all those good stuff kindle so uh hit them up Read those, man. Let us know how you like those, too. And two two things real quick. For one, you can't even say, well, I don't really like to read because the books are, are what they say they are. They're short stories. You can read them in like one sitting. It's not like this big, long novel that you have to deal with. And two, don't think that you had to have grown up in Mobile or have gone to LaFleur in order to enjoy the story. That's just like the character. Like LaFleur is a character of the book. But like Razio described, it really just brings you back to when you were in high school and most people can relate, especially if you went to high school in the 90s. You can relate the music and everything, like he said. So check it out. Well, thank you, guys. Just for the record, Jared's not out yet. So you made it. You made me want to go read it again. And yeah. <laughs> people think they can go, go out and download it. So Sherman, you're on the clock, just, just so you know. But as my fella said, Thanks again for all your support. And now that we're shouting out Sherman, I'm also, I said, I'm going to keep shouting out good podcasts. I have a close friend of mine who dropped a podcast called The Bruz Bookshelf. And basically it's young black men. Well, I call them young. They're my age and younger talking about books and literature and just breaking it. It's, it's a, it's a book podcast. Like it's a book club that you feel like you're involved in. I mean, it is a, yeah, yeah I love yeah, it. Yeah, but it, it's not, it, it's not your grandma's book club. It's, <laughs> it's, they're, they're, they're keeping it raw, they're, they're breaking it down. And so go check it out. They, they've done 
multiple books. I think they're on book three. They've done the $40 million slave heavy. And now they're on to the miseducation of the Negro. Yes. And the way they break it down is it just gives you things to think about and things that we should talk about more and understanding what we're reading. So Lenny, uh, you guys keep it up, but this is three brothers. No sense. Thank you guys for your time. I know we we've been maybe a little long today, but when we start talking, we really want to, it's hard to stop. So once again, three brothers, no sense, six rules of podcast, listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again.